You're listening to After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production. Hello and welcome to another edition of After the Jack. I'm Tyler Ma, your host. I always forget to uh, introduce myself, but uh, to my left today I have Ash Williamson. Ash, welcome back to the studio. Thanks, Tyler. Good afternoon, listeners. And Brian Nisbet, as always, ready to roll. Brian, how are you going? Very well, Tyler. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to Ashley. Now, we uh, we don't have a special guest this afternoon, but we've got plenty to talk about, including some exclusive uh, breaking news from yourself, uh, Ash. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later. All right, we're not going with it yet. No, we'll, no, we'll, we'll keep the listeners right, engaged yeah, and we'll, we'll, yep. we'll keep them reeled in and we'll build it a bit. But, okay. Uh, We'll roll into Brian's uh, 20 minutes of, uh, of results, uh, I reckon, off the top. That's maybe why we don't have any guests, because <laughs> they mustn't have been able to get a word in. No, it wasn't through lack of trying. I tried to get a guest from Seymour. Yes. I made a, a couple of phone calls. Um, rec- they were all recommending someone, but they all passed the buck and at this stage. <laughs> and uh, so I got left uh, holding the baby, you could say. But anyway, I've got plenty of... Uh, Plenty of uh, content. Yes. Saturday pennant round three results. In Division 1, there were two upsets. Befee Shep defeating Datura, Hilltop convincingly by 24 shots away. There are two new gun skippers in Coach Reiners and Beatty, Jeff Beatty and Brent Riders, um, where they're winning skips. Reiners defeated Brendan Boy by 26. The set-up to win, this is Boydie's second convincing win in two rounds. So they'll probably be able to look at that hilltop. Nichols and McIntosh were narrowly beaten by Russell and Cartwright. A much-needed win by East, who will be confident making two in a row when they host Park on a Saturday. Highly acclaimed new glamour side tally went down at Kai by three shots in a thriller. The biggest margin any rink was six shots. In Kai's two winning rinks, George over Ryan, Schilling over Gunning. There were five shot margins. Matt Robertson won by six over Dean over Dane Gade, and Mitch side by Mitch side bottom by one over the consistent Glen Field. Park, after being ten shots down at Smoko, rallied and won by a big margin of thirty three shots in the end. Josh Warren thrashed David Serini by twenty three shots, and the evergreen Dennis Smythe. Won by a comfortable 12 shots over Tony Kingmer, who'd won the previous week by a big margin down at Yaroa. Suckcliffe Kenny, after being well up, halfway succumbed by 23 shots to PK Nichols. I don't remember that margin. No, right. Three. Lost three. Three, it should yep. be, yeah. Yep. That's a typographical error, Brian. As soon as I saw it, I knew. You can see I proofread this. <laughs> the shining light for your role was Andy Houston's win over Paul Warren by nine shots. Andy's come up from Karingal and he's obviously a fine bowler. Stanhope gave golf a fright with a commendable five-shot loss away. The difference in the match for golf's coach and champion player Brad Orr, who defeated Robbie Armstrong by 13 shots. And Robbie had had a win and a draw prior to that. So I think it was at Stanhope. Uh, Brian, I believe. Golf was the home side, but I'm pretty sure it was played at Stanhope. Okay. I think that's uh, what yeah, we figured enough. out last week. Yep. yep. Okay, two rinks, Drew, Dawes and Walsh and Gribble and Hancock. 
And Brad Robinson confirmed his status as one of the best bowls in the GV with a six-shot win over Chris Ferguson. Chris has now lost two on the trot. Uh, the Vision 2, East Shep opened their account with a two-shot victory over a gallant in the Gamby. David Downs defeated Des Fovergill by 12 in the biggest rink win. Mick Mitchell won his first game as a skip in the twos and Rob Page saluted the game. Gino Servi won his second game in a row for East. In the closest game in a round, Marupna away saluted against Park on the grass. There was only um, one shot in this. Max McKee by nine shots over Peter Cross was a decisive rink win. Calvin Rograsch was Park's best skip, and he defeated Darren Kelly by eight shots. Gee, I reckon one of the uh, after the Jack uh, panelists tipped that one too, Brian. Yes, who was that? Uh, I'm not sure. It might have been me. <laughs> I did say they'd uh, they'd give Park a good shake uh, in Div yes. Two. Well, I thought it was on the carpet, but I'm not making any excuses. Good side should win on either surface. Rush, he only won two rinks this week. Disappointing after they'd won three the previous two games but lost. <laughs> Bit of sarcasm there. But after six rink wins in two games, I'll reiterate that, and still losing, they finally saluted due to Chris Garvey's nine-shot win over Mary Greco and Kevin Gilbert's seven-shot win over Des Campbell. Horsler was Kai's best skip defeating Wooten, while Phil Denham... Defeated top skip Gene Sprague by one shot, and he's a very underrated bowl of, bowl of Phil Denham. Top side, Chep Golf East, defeated the Hilltop by 34 shots in a whitewash, with Robbie Betson, their best rink, winning by 15 shots against Andrew Cross. Division 3, after leading by 37 shots after 76 ends and 20 after 88 ends, Park grasped defeat from the jaws of victory, losing, thir- losing by two shots after winning on three rinks. Top rink at Seymour, Max Hammonds, won 40-3 by 37 shots to accomplish this great come-from-behind win over a shell-shocked bottom team park. You could say we were shell-shocked. Yeah, well, it's probably the first time in my time at Shep Park that their Division Three side's sort of been battling that way. Usually they've been a perennial top four side and won a number of Division Three premierships. So it's certainly a surprise to see them on the bottom at this stage. Well, we could have, we should have won that game, I believe. But anyway, yep. Seymour's obviously flying though. That's that's their top side. Yep. Maxie Hammond's in in some sort of form. Um, I had a look, and he's already plus seventy odd on, on the on the third, skips yeah. um, on the skips table. So they'd uh, have to be black caviar odds for the uh, for the flag at the moment in that div. Yeah, just, just a fair bit of that. We had uh, three players pull out. We had two ladies fill in in that rink, and they're probably a bit nervous and under pressure. And it's not easy playing against yeah. formerly Division One bowlers two years ago. Yeah, not that long ago. No, no that's right. And I, we probably threw them to the walls a little bit, if I can say that. Yeah, and, you know, you must commend them for putting their hand up to fill in That's for right. us because, obviously, it's on short notice and, um, you know, they probably wouldn't have come up against though that standard of bowler before. So um, it, it is a tough one, but hopefully um, they got a little bit out of the experience and they can uh, improve from that. Yep, that's right, Ash. Let's hope so. Tad Hilltop defeated golf and upset result over Shep Golf by eight shots. Uh, due to Ross Colson's rink win over Frank Ivac. Trevor Dunlop was golf's only winning rink. 
Marupna Golf in the local derby defeated Marupna by 29 shots in a whitewash. Des Sluice Rink was the key to their victory, scoring a 14-shot win over Glen Power. Division 4, Kai and Tad Hilltop remain unbeaten after three rounds. Kai by a massive 72 shots over Murchison and Tad Hilltop by two away to East Shep Lyon. Kai's Ray Harrison by 23 shots was Kai's best skip in their whitewash over Murch. Rod Piggott and Ray Flett were rink winners for Hilltop in their close encounter. Margaret Serini's, Margarifa Serini's rink was outstanding in their whitewash of East Shep Pink at home. Stanhope can thank Cyril Evans' big rink win in their 10-shot overall win against Seymour away. Elliot Jarman gained two points for Seymour. Shepparton Golf won three rinks at home against Avenal, but Noel Slater's rink win by 16 shots sealed the six-shot win for the visitors' Avenal. Division 6. Uh, yeah, Division 6. And the Gambia on... This should be... Yeah, it's 6. What happened to 5? I think... Was that the Shep... Was that the Shep Golf result? Um... Uh, I'll discontinue, mate. Yep. Could be. Division 6, Nagambia on top after two wins, following a bye after doubling Avenal's score. Both Eddie Dunn and Colin Miller won by 16 shots. Avenal retained second spot despite their loss. Seymour won by 24 shots, courtesy of a 21-shot victory by Jane Wilson's rink over Rushworth. Park won narrowly by seven over Marupna Golf at home on the carpet with Norm Mitchell Moore and Lloyd Mawson rinks successful. Oh, here we are. Is that the one here? No, that's midweek. Yep. I've somehow apologised. I missed Division 5. Four, four went into six. That's all right, Brian. We'll, uh, we'll make Excuse it up to him next week. All right. Now, Ash has got the midweek results, unless it- you've got a... Have a special... Um, no, we, we might hold off on the exclusive for a little bit. But we'll, I'll, just, um, uh, we'll keep the listeners engaged. Yeah, we'll just we'll just reel them in a bit more. Uh, midweek pennant round four results. Division one, a big upset with Shepparton Park Gold, which is basically their second side winning by six shots away against Tatura Hilltop. Uh, Rob Thorne had a big win beating Lynn Nicholson by 16 shots. Bev Thorne is still unbeaten, went 104th mat- match on the trot over Dot Best. Uh, Die Downey beat Jim Oliver to give Tad Hilltop two points. So Park Gold are only out of the top four on shot difference. And we'll talk a little bit about that um, after we go through the rest of the results because the Division 1 ladder at the moment is re- quite remarkable how tight it is. Shep Golf, uh, the reigning Premier, snuck into fourth spot with a good win against Seymour, 19 shots overall. Robbie Betts and Drury's rink, whilst Richard Warburton and Graham Waddell won theirs. Um, to get the overall result. Kai Abram also had a 19-shot win over the previously undefeated Marupna Golf, the surprise packets. Jenny Dixon uh, had a big win against Faye Wilhouse. Mary Greco was also successful over Cheryl Emmett. Uh, Jan Doherty got some, uh, a couple of points for Marupna Golf, beating Chris Preddy. Um, Paul Warren's rink annihilated Debbie Thompson by 35 shots in Shep Park Tan's big win against Rushworth. 
Die Hands won by 15 against Kevin Gilbert and Gene Sprague earned two points for Rushy beating Kathy Dudley. With uh, fellow weekend pennant Division 1 skipper Dennis Smythe as a third, uh, yeah. might I add there, for Paul Warren. Yeah, well, just hopefully Paul can transfer that midweek form over into the um, Saturday format, obviously, being uh, winless so far in three rounds. Um, you know, that's good to see that he got some confidence on Tuesday. Hopefully he can carry that into Saturday. So um, just going back over the Div 1 ladder, Brian uh, and Tyler, actually Tyler mentioned this to me the other day. How, how many points are there separating third to seventh, is it? So you look at the Division 1 table uh, in the midweek pennant and it is, it's ridiculous how tight it is. We've, we've obviously played four rounds now uh, and Rushworth is struggling a bit um, mm. on, on five points down the bottom. But you have in seventh spot, Tatura Hilltop on 30 points. Two points behind Seymour in sixth on 32. One point behind Shep Park Gold and Shep Golf, both on 33 in fifth and fourth respectively. Then one more point to third, which is Shep Park Tan. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a gap, another eight points to Kyabram on 42 and Marupna Golf on top with 47. So that's from third spot to seventh spot is four points. There's two rings in it. And it's it's amazing to think like we usually say oh before Christmas you know the form's pretty exposed but they'll have each played each other once by Christmas time and we could be no closer to working out who the genuine premiership contenders are and who's even going to play finals because at the moment they all seem to be beating each other like you said Tat Hilltop I think is second bottom at the moment but yet they beat um, Park the first round Park uh, ten the high one. Um, in the first round, and then Shepherd and Golf's lost to a couple of those sides, but then they've beaten Seymour this week, so they're all sort of beating each other, and it's making it such a tight yeah. contest. And, and Shep Park Gold defeated Hilltop. Yes. Yeah, well, there's basically a game in it from, from first to seventh. It's 17 points, uh, obviously 16 on offer. So, yeah, um, yeah a, a game and, and, a, and, a, and a point in it from first to seventh. And it's great to see, too, with the two Shep Park sides at this stage. They look fairly evenly matched. I don't think they've played each other yet, but um, in recent years when they've had the two Division One sides in there, generally they've had one competing for the flag and then the other one's been down the bottom and they've only sort of spent one year there and then gone back down into Division Two. So it's great so far this year that they look quite evenly matched and I can't wait until they have the derby between those two sides to see who comes out on top, Brian. December 8, Ash. Uh, pencil it in. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll be watching with interest with that one. Getting back to the midweek round four results, East Shep and Shep Golf are the only two unbeaten teams in Div 2 after four rounds. East didn't have it all their own way against Euro at home on the carpet, winning by just seven overall. Marika Armstrong, East recruit, uh, beat Marg Serini by 18 shots. Uh, Jan Dalmenico won by one over Chris Boyce. And Libby Byrne got two points for Urara with her 12-shot win over Lee Beatty, their new skip from the city of Echuca. So good to see um, East Shepparton's midweek sides um, causing a bit of havoc there in Division 2, hopefully with a view to getting up into Division 1. I think they decide to beat this early juncture. Yeah. Uh, picking up Lee Beatty and the two barbers. Marika Armstrong. Marika Armstrong as well. Yep. I mean, um, very... They've got some um, top players and, well, I think they've made themselves the benchmark now for Division 2. Yeah, certainly. And uh, Shepherd and Golf accounted for Tat Hilltop Blue by 14 shots at home. Golf's best rink, Steve Hawkless, won by 18 shots over Glenda Smith. 
Uh, Jeff Cobbledick won by 10 over Nancy Brisbane. Uh, Keith Smith struck back for Tad Hilltop, beating Frank Ivac by 15 shots. Hilltop Red, Tad Hilltop Red lost by five against Kai overall. Uh, Joyce Andrews beat Jill Barrett by 15. Uh, but Kai's Peter O'Brien countered this, beating Frida Clement by 15. And Dossie Grills beat Phil Boyd by three shots. In Division 3, Shep Park uh, is undefeated with four wins, beat Stanhope by seven shots, which is uh, a good win over there. Bill Gallick's rink won by 21 shots. Stanhope actually won the other two rinks courtesy of Jenny Crilly and Ken Hopner. Second place, Marupna Golf, um, had a battle against second last Shep Golf, uh, but they won by eight at home. Ken Webber uh, won by nine shots over Ken Cooper. Chantal Wakenshaw from Marupna Golf and Bruce Giovanetti. For Shep Golf were the other rink winners there. Kai only won one rink, but uh, it helped them get a two-shot overall result against East Shepparton. So uh, Jam McFadden defeated Karen Truen by 10 shots. Uh, Kevin Cox won by seven, and Alan Houston by one to get the other four points for East Shepparton. Uh, Lynn Thatcher won by 18, and Bernadette Nichols won by 10 to get Marupna 14 points to two against Uroa in their six-shot victory. Now in Division 4, Nagambi's unbeaten as well. Um, they have top skip Angel Mannequin to thank for that. Uh, they won two rinks against East Shep, uh, with Mannequin and Fiona Smith having big wins. East Shepparton and Green's Bob Sutton won two points for their uh, for his side. Barry Parsons and Joe Chant got Merrigan home against second place Murchison by four shots in a bit of a a minor upset there. Mark Tweddle's rink won by 13 shots but couldn't bridge the gap there. East Shepland and Blue got on the board by the narrowest of margins against Park Plum by one shot. Uh, Ronnie Thorpe won by five shots there. Um, And then uh, Michael Stone and Barry Abbott had huge wins in Tat Hilltop's uh, runaway win against Park Rose by 24 shots. Doug Freeman gained two points for Park Rose, w- winning his rink by seven shots. And in Division 5, Graham Toy got Avenal home by two shots against Colbo. Kyabram belled Marupna Golf by 31 shots, with Robin Barrett winning her rink by 20. Wayne Lloyd won by 21 shots to set up Rushy's 22-shot win over Seymour. And Dukies undefeated after four rounds. They were too strong. Um, for Katandra West by 18 shots. So uh, Glenda Exton is the top skip for Dookie. So that's a wrap-up of midweek pennant round four. That covers everything, Brian. After the uh, results, uh, we'll we'll go in and, and thank our sponsors. After the Jack is brought to you by the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. For all your lawn bowling needs, visit Lee and Chantel Wakenshaw at 101 Fry Street, Shepherd and, or phone 5821 one double five six. Now, Ash, you've held us on the hook long enough. Uh, what is the big fish that you've uh, you've got to tell us? The big breaking news, the the exclusive that uh, you've you've found yourself on the end of. Um, yeah, so Shepparton and Park are playing Shepparton and Golf in round six in the Alan Matheson Shield, which is set for uh, I think November eight. Is it? November 12, uh, December 12, sorry. Yep. December 12, round six. Um, always a big contest between those two arch rivals, the grand final rematch for last year. And um, Shepherd and Golf has secured the services uh, of Matt Flapper, uh, Australian 
Um, former Australian representative, World Bowler of the Year, I understand. Commonwealth Games medalist on permit for that game on that Saturday afternoon. The game will be played early, um, starting at 12.30. Shepherd and Golf has a function that night where Matt Flapper, a sportsman's night, where he'll be the guest speaker. So uh, pretty big coup for Shepherd and Golf. I don't think they – not that they they need it the way they're going, but – I guess it probably speaks to, you know, the GB Bowls division's um, drawing power, I guess, at the moment to get a player of his calibre. Obviously, the connection with with Brad Orr having played in the Victorian state side set up um, together is probably the key to, to luring uh, Flapper for the for the one game. Thoughts, Brian? I actually didn't tell you this one, so I could see your reaction. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts initially? Yeah, well, I know uh, Matty tangles Flapper pretty well. Uh, seen him play a number of test matches. I actually got his coach and himself to a sportsman's night when I was president of East Shepparton um, when they were both playing in the Golden Pairs run by Brucey Agnew. Oh, yeah, the old Plum Tech. Over yeah. at, the Plum Tech uh, Golden Pairs over at Yamurka Golf and played at one you and Yamurka Town as well. And it was a really good night, um, particularly the younger, the, the Nichols boys got a lot out of it, um, all the one percenters and Matty Flapper, um, you know, his knowledge of bowls. And uh, and we even had Anthony Mas- Matheson from Kyneton who played for Essendon too. He, um, he spoke a little bit as well. So it was a really good night and no doubt... Um, Brad Brad always organised this. He's played he's played a bit with uh, Matt in the state bowls. Yep, yep. And they're pretty good mates. He's played with him in the pre season tournament hilltop before. So that is a that's a fantastic. It's a coup for golf and a coup for the Golden Valley because uh, this guy's the former international bowler of the year. Yep. So and he's a personality. Yeah, um, he gets on with everyone. He's. He's a great ambassador for bowls, and I think they couldn't have got anyone better. But perhaps Shep Park can get an elite bowler to come up and represent Shep Park. It, I mean, that's look, exactly where I was heading, Brian. Yeah, look, I've wow. my, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really. It gives us some scope there to try and well, get someone. I mean, we may have to pay, may have to pay their flight up, but I think it'd be well worth it to. To get someone to match him, I don't think, I don't think Shep Park's struggling dollar wise. Yeah, but might be a few cobwebs in the wallet, though, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> wow, let the moths out. Yeah, mate. Um, there was a bit of talk. What's Jeremy Henry doing that day, or Ryan Bester, or someone like that? I'm sure if the price is right, but I mean, I think um, you know, there's. There's a way to look at it a bit negatively, like, oh, you know, as if golf needs Matt Flapper to play a game for him against Shep Park. But I think you've got to look at it from the, the promotional point of view and having someone like that come and play in, in the in the competition. And, you know, personally, I mean, if I'm lucky enough to be picked to play for Park that day, I think it would be a great opportunity to play against someone of that calibre, um, you know, and regardless of if he beats you by 30 shots, it's still you're still going to learn something from it and you're still going to be able to say, you know, I've had the opportunity to play against a World Bowler of the Year. It's not something that you're, you're going to have the opportunity to do um, quite often playing in, in the GV Bowls division. So I think it should be embraced and, you know, who knows, it could be a starting 
turning point for, for clubs to maybe... I mean, obviously, it's exceptional circumstances this year. I, I think Matt's the club coach at um, Ocean Grove, and their yep. competition hasn't started for obvious reasons, being down the Geelong way. Um, so there's an opportunity there, but who knows? There might be a marquee player-type um, window for the GB Bowls division in the future. It's certainly something that um, a lot of local comps embrace. Um, you know, cricket itself... You know, we've, we're just coming up onto the the second Goulburn Valley Bush Bash League uh, season, which is Certainly. really all about bringing talent from from outside the Shepparton region yep. to the region to to showcase what they've got. Yep. Um, football, you, you know, you've got blokes coming up from uh, Metropolitan in in a usual season. Uh, obviously, yep. when a usual season gets up up and running, and yep. I mean even tennis, uh, you know, there's always plenty of uh, big big names around. So. I think it's uh, exciting, and uh, I've obviously I've certainly had plenty to do with Matt over the journey, and yep. um, you know he's obviously heavily involved with the uh, the under eighteen Vic side as well, which we've got a few familiar faces in in Olivia Cartwright for starters. So I think it's uh, exciting, and uh, certainly will uh, entice me to to have the weekend off cricket and uh, head down and have a look. Yeah, and certainly as well, like um, I mean, Shep Golf are going to start favourites against whoever they play this year. It doesn't matter if it's Park or Tat Hilltop or Tally. So, you know, it's it's making them obviously a little bit stronger. But, you know, I think it's a great, great exposure for, for Shep Golf and, you know, it's going to raise a bit of money with them through their sportsman's night and obviously bowls clubs need those opportunities to generate a bit of income and it's a bit of an outside-the-box way to, to go about it. So I think they should be applauded for, you know, generating a bit of more interest and hype to the competition by bringing someone of that calibre to come and have a game and have a bit of a chat and a sportsman's night. It certainly is. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I was just wondering... Uh um, Lee Srain or someone of that uh, calibre. Well, he's he's, a, he's, he's he's close by in Bendigo, but would they let him have the week off? Bendigo will be obviously playing that weekend too. Yeah, I think he might be a little bit tied up, but um, and and certainly I guess the New South Wales and Queensland competitions are probably up and running as well now that some of the restrictions are lifted. Perhaps we can get Nathan Bush from Geelong. Something yeah. he'd be pretty handy. Or maybe we could uh, maybe go with his Ocean Grove, the Flappers Ocean Grove teammate Callum Hanna, who's a former GV um, bowler at RSL. I think Nathan Bush is related to Graham Myers. Okay. So we might be able to do, um, I think his father was Eddie Bush, a renowned um, sports caller and that in the bush for okay. many years. All right. Called um, Cycling in Bendigo at the Velodrome. And yep. I think he even. Had a crack at the uh, races as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so, so there's so there's my exclusive, Brian, and hopefully well, it's given the listeners, um, you know, something to look forward to. But um, I think we are we going to get on this weekend. We're looking forward to weekend pennant this weekend. Are we on or off? Well, you reckon? Looking at the forecast, um, I don't think we'll be playing. Do you, use Tyler? Look, the uh, the heat rule obviously is the topic of the week. Uh, now, I see you flicking through your uh, trusty handbook there, Ash. Uh, from, uh, you know, from all reports, uh, from all reports, as in 10 minutes ago when I looked at the uh, Bureau of Meteor- Meteorology website, it was still uh, slated for 40 degrees in Shepparton on Saturday. So what does that mean in terms of the heat rule? Um, so just reading through the bowls handbook, so I'll, I'll read from the inclement weather um, section, if the temperature forecast the night before on Wind TV is 38 degrees for our area, 
Then the thermometer shall be placed appropriately and shall be checked prior to the start of play by both side managers and then at intervals no greater than 30 minutes. So that's 38 or, you know. And then if the temperature forecast the night before on Win TV is 40 degrees or above for pennant, the match, all matches will be cancelled. So 40 is the magic number. If it's 40, 41, 42, what, in the 40s, off. If it's 38 or 39, that's where the um, everyone will have to turn up and the thermometer will be placed at a, at a particular point on the green and checked at intervals of 30 minutes to make sure that either it's gone down, hopefully, and not gone above that 40 degrees. It's uh, It certainly raises an interesting point, though. It is... Uh 2020 uh, on the calendar. Are we able to update the uh, the handbook uh, surely next season to to go off the Bureau of Meteorology website, seeing as that is the most accurate and uh, and timely information? Well, the assumption would be that um, any television broadcast would be using the Bureau of Meteorology to assist with their their weather forecasts. Um, I mean, I, I've, I sort of, from my point of view, the big question is, if you walked outside, would you be able to tell the difference between 40 and 38? You'd just know it was really hot, wouldn't you? So, I mean, 30, 48, it sort of doesn't seem like there's as much difference, if that makes sense. Like, So, I think rather than having a 38 rule and a 40 rule, I think there should just be one one number that we look for to decide yeah. whether it's on or off. It certainly overcomplicates the situation, doesn't it? Yeah, especially for – because you look at um, where thermometers are placed at different clubs. Like I know Shep Park's had issues um, because they've got a clock on their undercover green that um, has a thermometer sort of in the roof somewhere that it flashes the time and then it flashes the temperature, which can quite often be different to the actual temperature box, which is out – more exposed in, in the elements. Yep. So those temperatures can be too different. So they've actually switched the clock off on the undercover green to avoid any confusion with the thermometer in the box, which, you know, and it depends where your thermometer is, maybe, say, at East Shep now. Like, where's their thermometer now that they've got the undercover green? Is it different to what it used to be? Yeah, well, I went to a match when Matty Robertson was coach. Our bowls was called off because of Win TV 40. Yep. I saw seven ends over at Benalla. They were playing Yarrawonga and Border Golf. And then the manager, um, Leanne Smith, it wasn't Lassard or whatever her name Smith is. I can't think of a Christian name. It's unusual. Yep. She was the manager of uh, Yarrawonga and Border Golf. She said, I want to check the temperature. And it was out in the um, in the box and, um, in the, you know, and it was 42. So they called it off. Yep. But the guys got their phone. They all had their yes. phone. It had to be 42 up there. I'm pretty sure it's 42. And they all only had 41 on their Bureau of mm. Meteorology or Weather Zone or Elders yeah. Weather. Yeah. So from that, point, from that weekend on, Ovens and Murray go by people's phone or what the Bureau <laughs> of Meteorology is saying at that stage. At that particular time, which muddies the waters even more, really. Oh, it because, certainly does. You know, that is an iPhone different to a Samsung and a HTC? Like, you know, what, where do you draw the? the yeah, how long's a piece of string? You know, if you go if you go to the Bureau of Meteorology, yeah, it'll be the same for a reading at that particular time. They should go by that rather than what's in the box. Yeah, Ooh, which wouldn't which, you agree with that? Oh, certainly. Which comes back to uh, to why are we still going off uh, a, a local news bulletin the night before uh, when we've got the Bureau readily available, but. I suppose that's uh, that's a conversation for the annual general meeting. I suppose would be the uh, 
the place to bring that up to change the handbook. <clears throat> and and what, why it's a more um, relevant discussion probably this year is because there's no makeup rounds, I believe. So if, no, if, if we if we're called off this week, that's it. Nine points each. There's no weekends to make up the rounds that you lose to inclement weather. So we'll obviously talk about. The, the round coming up in Division 1, etc. But I look at someone like, um, I think Tally is playing Yaroa this week. Yep. Now, they would be hoping that 16-2 or an 18-zip, all of a sudden, if we're called off, it's nine points. Um, so it, it can have um, disadvantages that way, depending on who you're playing this week. Now, I mean... I mean you can't predict the weather gods and you, you know the draw and all that sort of thing, but it, it can come into um, calculations later on in the year for sure. It also opens up, um, well, like you said, there's, there's plenty of water to go under the bridge. We we could lose seven rounds this season. Yes. You know, we're only three rounds in. Yeah. Um, but it opens up another conversation. So if the uh, if the forecast drops to thirty nine, uh, you could have the situation where down in Yaroa, uh, I spoke to Ken Sutcliffe uh, today, and he said. The current forecast down there is only 36. Mm. So if you get to 39 and you have the um, the, the dry bulb um, checks, uh, which is what is stipulated in the handbook, and Euroa uh, Tally is able to get done all day, all game, all the way through, mm. um, you look at the, the two Shepparton games, East Shep v Shep Park, Shep Golf v Kyabram, you'd, you'd imagine that it might be a bit hotter in Shep, so they both get called off. Um, and then you've got Stanhope and Tatura Hilltop out at Stanhope. Now, if that dry bulb doesn't get to 39 or 40 and they get a game in there, that's 50% of the round, which mm. means the round counts. Yep. So a tally group could, could have a situation where they could get 18. Yep. Uh, the, all the Shep teams get nine. Yep. Uh, and they've got a fair leg up. Now, that's not, you know, like you said, you can't predict the weather and, and you can't predict what's going to happen. But th- there's certainly a lot of grey areas or, or a lot of areas where it, it doesn't seem exactly straight up and down uh, with, with these heat rules. Yeah, and, and the issue is as well, like um, you, you mentioned the different towns and things like that. There was talk that East Shepparton and Shep Park might have considered playing on a Friday night just to get the game done, but then it throws the possibility that we could be out on the green playing on Friday night and the forecast comes in 40 and we're essentially playing a glorified practice game. So... I don't know. We'll wait and see what the forecast says on Friday. But fingers crossed we get a game of bowls in because there are some great games worth talking about this week, Brian, which we'll touch yeah, well, on now. Just yeah. on the weather situation, Echuca, the Compaspi Bowls Association, have got a proviso in there. If the if the temperature's going to be 40, they're going to play at 9.30 as a tire in the morning. Uh, 9am, I believe. 9am, yes. 9am start. And that's for the midweek as well, if it applies. For the fr- uh, Friday, I believe. Yeah, the Friday, midweek is. Yeah. yep. Because yep. it's going to be 39 Friday. Good good idea. I think it's a good idea. But yeah. um, what's against the Golden Valley? There's, there may be a couple of players working, but I don't think there'll be more than three or four. In, in the, the top, top division. division yep. Working on a Saturday, would you? No. I wouldn't have thought so, but it's also stipulated in the Camp Aspie rules I believe that, that that's what's happening. So, at the, you know, the start of the season in the handbook, yep. yeah, if, well, if, yes, if yes. the temperature's 40, we're going to start at 9 o'clock. If it's above 42 or, or whatever the, the number is, then we're just not going to bother. So it, it, I don't think you can leave the grey area of allowing uh, sides to to reschedule. Mm. Um, you know, leave it up to the sides to go, all right, well, do you want to play Friday night? Do you want to play Sunday? Yep. Do you want to play Saturday night? I think if, if you are going to be able to move the fixtures, I, I think you certainly should stipulate it um, as, as a rule. as a t- and, and a time sort of thing. Well, I mean, uh, I think the one thirty start is a bit sort of uh, 
I think it probably could be reconsidered at least sort of twelve thirty or something like that because I, th- I feel you're kind of waiting around a lot. And, you know, obviously this year um, there's been a slight change to the pennant format with the shorter break due to the COVID protocols. Um, and I think that's worked quite well. And, um, you know, whether that we get to a situation where we start a bit earlier and play straight through, that might be a, a thing to look at as, as well, even to just to sort of... Um, get the game moving a little bit more and, and not sort of stretch it out across the whole arvo. Is that a fair comment? Or? Yeah, I mean, oh, look, I've been in favour of 21 ends straight through for since Melbourne started. I think it's a great innovation. Yep. If you've got something on, particularly around the festive season, I mean, there's parties going on now from November right through mm. to December and you have your break. Oh, I think it's a it's a good idea, and and I get the whole clubs want to keep people around after bowls games to have a drink and do all that and generate income that way. But I feel if you get the game done quicker, there's more time to for people to hang around, start earlier, and you finish at say four. You're not rushing off. No, you're, you're not. You know, having no, to jump I straight think, in the I car agree. to go to your Christmas party. At six. Or, yeah. Yep. I yeah. think it allows you twenty one straight through allows you to more readily move to a Friday Your night. Your wife as well. doesn't turn up at the bowling club saying, "You remember we got something on tonight." Yeah, it, it allows you now that we've got two premium premium undercover facilities in in the town. I, I think it allows you more readily to to move Friday night to Friday night games and and to fix your Friday night games mm. and not, and not just Division One games. Yes, but um, you know you can quite comfortably have your first and seconds or your first and sixths. Um, you know on on a Friday night in the same green, and you can have the same over at East Shep. Well, I know last year you might have played in this game, Brian. Division three played a Friday yeah, night we game. Marupna golf, and it was you would have got, got a kick quite out a few of that. Spectators, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and, and uh, Eastern golf played a, a night game as well. Yeah, yep. So I think yes. I, I think sort of shortening the the format. Um, opens up a lot more potential to sort of be a bit more creative and flexible with the overall structure of Pennant. I think it, it's probably been a little bit too rigid for a long time now and it's maybe getting a little bit archaic where we need to sort of open it up a little bit and um, and create that potential to be a bit more flexible and be a bit more funky with it and and change things up a bit maybe. All of that has a knock-on effect to attracting younger bowlers exactly. as well. Exactly, yeah, of course. Yes, well, moving on. We'll, I'll do a midweek um, preview. Yep. Uh, Division 5, Avonall got the bye. Um, I'm selecting Kai to defeat Yaroa. Marupna Golf to defeat Seymour. Katandra West to defeat Colbo. And uh, Rushworth to defeat Dookie. Division 4, Nagambi to defeat Park Plum. Merch to defeat East Green. Tat Hilltop to defeat Merrigan. East Blue to defeat Park Rose. Division 3, Marupna to defeat Yaroa, Kai to defeat East, Shep Park to defeat Stanhope and Marupna Golf to defeat Shep Golf. Division 2, Kai to defeat Seymour, Yaroa to defeat Tat Hilltop Red, East Shep to defeat Tat Hilltop Blue and Avonall to defeat Shep Golf. Division 1, Seymour, well I'll get Ash in on this, Seymour play... Um, Tat Hilltop at Seymour. Seymour at home for my new, uh, syn- new synthetic green. Yep, I think they'll they'll catch him out there. It's got to be worth about twenty or thirty shots, I reckon. Well, yeah, it was w- worth ninety the other week in the Div Three. <laughs> it seems to be at the moment. Yes, um, I'll, yeah, I'm going for well, I'm going for Seymour, obviously. 
Shep Golf play Rushworth at home. Shep Golf for mine. Uh, at, yeah, at home, yeah. Shep Golf easily, I think. I think so too, yep. Uh, Marupna Golf host um, Park Tans. So that's the top That's Park's a match up. of the day, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, I think Tan will win this... Uh, is is it so? It's at Marupna Golf. Oh, what are their gr- What are their greens been like? Well, okay, I think. Yeah, yeah. But golf's been a bit of a surprise packet, but I think um, Park Tan just starting to hit their straps with yeah, some different sure. combos. Yep. I think, yeah, just starting to hit their straps. I think they'll win. They'll win two rinks to one and get the overall points. Tan for me, if uh, Rabbit and Dennis are playing in the same ring. Yep. Yeah, well, they got skirts the right size for them. <laughs> Add Kai to defeat Park Gold in a in a, this will be a good encounter over there. Park Gold's a surprise packet. Yeah, Bev well, Thorne's undefeated. She's won four out of four, and yep. they're going along nicely. Yeah, and and Robbie Thorne had a good win um, yes, for did. for Park. Uh, gold last week, and he he likes to play nice and aggressive through the head. So um, if he gets his upshots going, um, I'm going to go gold. I think Kyabram's yeah. um cool. going quite well across the, across most divisions uh, this season. Uh, I think they might be able to get him. Yeah. And incidentally, just for um, Ashley's and your um, sake, Tyler, <laughs> in um, Saturday competition, Saturday painted. I've tipped uh, 50 winners out of 75, which is a strike rate of 67. In midweek, I've picked 49 out of 80, which is a strike rate of 61. That's all right. Yeah, no, yeah. You, you might have doctored the figures after last week, no, I reckon, because no. they sound <laughs> They're all here if you want to check quite it. comfortably better than uh, what you were no, speaking last week. I only got 12 out of 20 this week. Yeah, it was, it was, It's like when I heard that. Div three result of forty to three. I couldn't believe it, and Brian's read out those tipping figures, and I've, I'm sort of not sure about those either. That is spot on, mate. You can believe me. <laughs> All right, weekend pennant. All right, before we get into it, we'll thank the sponsors. All right. After the Jack is brought to you by the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. For all your lawn bowling needs, visit Lee and Chantel Wakenshaw at one hundred and one Fry Street, Shepparton, or phone five eight two one one double five six. All right, Brian, get into it. Saturday pennant round four. Now, I, I don't believe uh, this will commence because I think the forecasts are pretty accurate. Uh, we've got three bureaus. I've looked at three different sites, and it hasn't changed from 40 in the last two, three days. Well, if you keep waffling for a couple of minutes, we'll have the 5 o'clock uh, Bureau of Meteorology update, Brian, so I can okay. uh, I can keep that'll you uh, quite that'll informed. That'll I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we won't threaten yeah. being finished in two minutes. Though. Well, <laughs> no worries. In Division 6, we've got... Um, I'm going for Avenal to defeat Shep Park. VRI to defeat Tatura Hilltop. That's Seymour VRI. Marupna Golf, I got the bye. And I'm going for Nagambi to defeat Rushworth. Just just on that. So so we look at um, that Division 5, and already we've got uh, obviously two games around the Seymour area, but we've also got one in Rushworth. So, it, you know, it's it's quite spread out, and, and it is in a few of the lower divisions, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Avenal. Yeah, Nagambi, Rushworth's at Rushworth, yep. And then Avenal. Avenal and VRI at home. So. Yeah, yep. Division 5, uh, I'm going for Tat Hilltop Red over Tat Hilltop Blue. Grudge match. Derby. The big derby. Kai Abram to defeat Dookie. Tally to defeat Marupna Golf. Colbo to defeat Stanhope. 
that's an upset there. I'm going for Colbo. They're lower on the ladder, but they're always hard to beat at home. Um, Yarrara got the bye. Division 4, Park to defeat Abinal. Stanhope to defeat Shep Golf. Seymour to defeat Merch. Kai to defeat Tatura Hilltop. Probably be the match of the day. And East Lime to defeat East Pink in another derby. It's rivalry round. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we better not forget Merrigan. I'm going for them to defeat Yarrara at home, and this will be a pretty um, close match too. Division 3... Ash can come in here. Tally to defeat Shep Golf at Tally. Yeah, I think um yeah, I think their depth might be enough to get him over the line at home. Yep. Park Oop. play Marupna at Marupna. Uh, just uh, sorry, just but touching back on the ta- Tally game. Good luck to Daniel Brophy playing his first Division Three game for Tally as well. Sorry. Um good luck, Brof. Yeah, what was good that? on your Brof, uh, all the best. Park are playing Marupna at Marupna. Um, I'll back Marupna, I think. I think. After last week's result. Yeah. Even yep. though he got within two points of Seymour. Yeah, yep. I think I'll go Marupna. Seymour at home to... Seymour travelled to Dookie, sorry. I'm, the winner will, in my opinion, be Seymour. I think they'll win. They might lose one rink. Yeah, a bit of a banana peel game, though. Dookie's usually pretty solid at home. So I, I'll go Seymour, but just... Split the rinks. Marupna Golf host Hilltop, and I think Marupna Golf will win another interesting match. Yeah, I'll go for Marupna Golf as well. Division 2, Shep Golf host Marupna. I'm going for golf. Yeah, Shep Golf looked the team to beat for mine in a whole comp. Rushworth play Nagambi. This is uh, Rushworth. I'm going for Rushy. Yeah, Rushworth on their home carpet, yep. Hilltop are playing East Shepparton. Hilltop at home as well, yep. And, yeah, I'm going for Hilltop and uh, Kai Abram to defeat Shep Park. Yeah, I think Kai should be pretty strong at home as well. Division 1, Eastern Park. I'm going, for, I think East get a lot of confidence after their win last week. Interesting to read in the, the Shep news that uh, Brent Reiner said he's got the best leader in the Golden Valley Bowls comp Division 1 in Stacey Collier. That's a big call. Well, he wouldn't but, be too far off the mark, though, would he? No, no. Well, that's, it's good that he's called that. Uh, but, I mean, um, it's a good rink. Graham Barber playing second. And who's his third at the moment, Ash? Come on. It's uh, is it, It's not um, Doug McConaughey, is I it? I think it is. Doug. Doug McConaughey, third. He played third for Franchi last season. He's Doug. And uh, they're going very, very well. So... Um, and if your leader's giving you a brilliant start every game, well, he's won, he's won 19 and 18 ends it's the last uh, two P- matches. Peter Norton. Oh, Peter Norton. Uh, Sorry, correction. Peter Norton. Apologies. Yes, Apologies, Peter. Norton. Peter. Yeah, 18 and 19 ends, and that tells you he's got bowls in the head. You, mm. you're, not, you're not winning that amount of ends in a 25-end game if you don't have bowls in the head. That's, so. bi- that's big ends mm. in, the, yep. in Division 1. Exactly, yeah. Certainly. And um, he said, uh, you know, he was listening to the show and no one gave us a chance. Everyone gave uh, Daniel a bit of stick, uh, yep. pointing the finger at you, Brian. Uh, but he was uh, he was quite happy to uh, to get the, the duck uh, sorted. I heard, uh, I heard about it with an email from um, Mr. Daniel on Saturday night. So, you know. 
No, it's good to see uh, that uh, plenty are uh, listening to uh, to the it show. Is. It is. Cru- cru- crucial, crucial win, really, because they, well, you know, they were looking down the barrel at zero and three. They're now one and two, and they they win this week. They've squared the ledger, and they're right back in calculations and gaining momentum ahead of the Christmas break, which is all yeah. important. But if they can't play, they're one and they're one out of four, with only ten rounds to go. Uh, these ships. That means they'd have to win at least. Have to win at least seven games out of the last ten to get in the finals, and I tell you that's a big call. Oh, I don't know about seven. Uh, all well, six if, and if, shots up. Or if, seven if, wins will get you in. It may out of thirteen. But if they're, if they're not playing uh, on Saturday, then no one else is as well. So everyone's I, getting I nine know, points. I know. Yeah. Um, what changes you make at Shep Park? Yeah. So. Um, Obviously, Paul Warren and Paul Nichols have virtually swapped um, rinks. Jim Oliver's unavailable, so Paul Nichols has got a new rink of um, Ernie Salvamini leading, Phil McCann playing second, and myself playing third. Um, we were all in Paul Warren's rink last week. And in a bid to try, and um, Paul Warren's obviously... I just feel he's lacking a bit of confidence at the moment. I mean, I haven't seen him play on Tuesdays, but being in that rink last week... Um, you know, we sort of fell behind early and it just sort of felt like um, the sense of, oh, you know, oh, no, not again sort of thing. He's had a couple of big losses the first two rounds, fell behind again early. And we were, to be honest, nine shots maybe flattered us a bit, I thought. Um, we were sort of 15 or even more down. Um, we did a reasonable job to cut it under 10, but his rink this week will be Paul Beecroft playing third, um, Jeff Boyle second, and Heath Matthews leading. So Heath was playing second to Dennis Smythe, um, and Dennis Smythe's now got uh, Dennis Beck uh, in as his second, which bit of an interesting selection call given Dennis Beck's been skipping in Division 2, um, hasn't won his rink in the first three rounds. So um, there could have been some other candidates possibly to go up into basically replaced Jim Oliver, but they've gone with Dennis Beck, who played in a couple of our practice games with Paul Nichols in, in his rink. So um, all the best to, to Becky, and hopefully yeah, those... Yeah. yeah, I think he'll go well. I, I played third for him in a practice match at Benalla yeah. last year, and yeah. I thought he, um, he handles stick very well. Yeah, and I, I started skipping last year in Division 2, and Dennis was my third, and they obviously they put him with me for a reason. He's got a lot of experience, and he really did a lot of um, great things for my confidence, you know, being in that role for the first time, and really, you know, he likes to play nice and positive and encourage me to do that, so um, I'm sure that he'll come up and do a great job, and hopefully those new combinations can spark something, particularly in in Paul Warren's rink because he's a better bowler than that. He's, you know, he he had a really good year last year, but just year. yeah, just ha- hasn't had it so far this year. He didn't lose a final last year. Yeah, yep. So, I mean, but you need your rink firing. I mean, Dave Hardy was his leader. Yeah, was his leader, and he yep. had a magnificent year, Dave. Yeah, I think it. I think he's. You know, it probably goes to show how important a good leader can be. And Brent Reiner obviously emphasised that with his comments after last weekend's win with Stacey Collier. He knows how important it is to have the first two close. Um, it's going to be interesting if we do play because if it's right on the cusp of sort of 38, 39 and we have to get out there, they're going to play us outside, which I think is a massive advantage, firstly for them because it's on their home green, it's quicker, and the heat factor. You know, you look at sort of um, Dennis's rink with Dennis, Dave and Boxer um, on a hot day, you're playing virtually straight through. Um, you know, we, we really need to be on our game to make sure we can finish off 
at, at the business end, which has obviously been lacking. You know, obviously you look at the grand final, that was a totally. really pretty hot day. Those last 10 ends overall can be a massive difference. It's much different to playing under our under, undercover. So I yeah. think, as I say, I think 21 ends at Suchet Park, they might have won the grand final last year. Over well, that'd, that'd, that'd have been well ahead. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm tipping east for mine. Uh, the bureau still hasn't updated, so maybe I won't uh, pot the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the handbook anymore until, uh, until the bureau actually updates when it's meant to. <laughs> you're, no, you're no doubt going for um, Park, Ashley. Yeah, look, I, I, like I'm confident that um, you know a couple of changes can hopefully bring about a, bi- a bit of re- um, renewed sort of confidence in some of the players that may be down a little bit. So hopefully, and you know, from my point of view, I haven't seen Brent Reiner, I haven't seen Jeff Beatty, so I don't really know what to expect. I'm going in with quite an open mind. What no, uh, what does seem to be updated, uh, looking at the website at the moment, is that uh, Shepherd and Golf against Kyabram is going to be played at Kyabram. Uh, if they get on, so uh, I wonder if they're they're moving to try and beat the t- beat the thermometer. Beat has the that thermometer? been changed? Has it? Uh, it looks. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, Brian. It said match to be played at Kyabram, and I, I believe that didn't say that before. Interesting. So, I reckon um, I've got that. I write the home sides in first. Normally. I'll have a, I'll have a look at the handbook. So what are we round four? Yeah, it definitely says Shepherd and Golf first Kyabram. So maybe there's a bit of. Beating the thermometer. Well, that that would give us games at Stanhope, Euroa, Kyabram, and Shepparton. So yeah, that's only spread it the out news a bit. Says it's thirty nine. Yeah, it has to get yeah, down to thirty nine. That's yep. right. But uh, at the, the, moment, the, the temperature the night I'll be before. surprised if it comes down. If it does, mm. that'll give the managers a bit of work. We'll certainly wait and see. All right, on to the next one, Brian. Golf play Kyabram at Kyabram. Yes, that is uh, <laughs> the latest breaking news. Gee, we've had plenty of uh, breaking news on the show today. The this listeners will, will, will be, be a, happy. This is always a pretty um, tight tussle. And Kai, Kai at home now, It's um, I give Kai a bit of a chance. Uh, I agree, yep. A real big, but I'll, I'll stick with goal 14-4 by 12 shots. Well, but, you know, a bit of, bit of luck either way. Kyabram could be three and zero. Really, they probably should have by rights beaten Park, and they obviously that the scoreboard says they didn't, but they were well in that game. They did the job against Stanhope Round Two. Had a had a really good win against Tally last week at home. I think they grow another leg at home as well on their grass. And you know, we look at their skippers. Glenn Fields has been consistent. Greg Schilling. Um, you know their top end is as good as as golf's really. I think it's going to come down to that you know, all important skipping um, second position, uh, lead and second positions to who sort of determines this one. It's the old it's the old Ric Flair saying to to be the man you got to beat the man. I think golf I still fancy him sixteen two. Yeah, I'd say golf gets it done. Uh, you you boys could probably uh, talk to it a bit further, but. I'd imagine Kai Abram's green's probably a bit closer to Stanhope's green than Shep Golf's. Uh, yeah. And Golf's coming off Stanhope's green last week, so they'll probably find the touch pretty quickly. Yeah, and and golf and golf just relishes the quicker grass greens. You know they've got really good touch balls, Ori, Dorsey, those types are really good on the draw and and the drive. So um, and Stokesy in good form. Yeah, exactly right. So um, yeah. what Chris Ferguson, interesting one. You mentioned he's lost his past two. Is it so? He's one and two to start the year. He he's probably the one. What, do they consider a change with his rink skipping or? Oh no, he's got Cole Power. You think they could swap over, couldn't you, Cole? Yeah, 
Cole's yep. beaten a leading skipper yep. in the, in the um, association. Yeah. Well, one, one thing about Brad Orr, he hasn't been frightened to tinker with rink combinations no, mid-season, no. even when they've been flying as well. So, you know... Um, Stokes, he could even... He, yeah. um, he's in good touch. He could easily yeah. skip. One of the truants? Currently listed yeah. as Ferguson, Stokes, Manton, Power in that rink. So Power leading? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, they that did have be Glenn Power, would it? No, it is Cole Power. Power. Glenn's, right. Glenn's leading Cole for John Power. Gribble. Uh, oh, the go. rest look unchanged. Well, Cole Power would be a handy lead, wouldn't he? Drawing close on a quick green? I would certainly say so. Good. They might be um, run, training him to play against Stacey. Give him a bit of practice. Leading, what do you think? Well, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one, but like I said, he he's not frightened to, to no, tinker no, with isn't. combinations to, to find what works best, and obviously he's trying to get Fergie a bit of a better start. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go, and the draw is all important too, as well. You know, sure. if um, if Ferguson draws Schilling, it'll be a, a could be a long long day. Certainly, Tally go to Yaroa, and I think Tally Tally will get all rinks. I think down there. Kenny Sutcliffe hasn't won a game, but he's always he's there about. He's led at half time all three. He's due, I think. Um, he, I mean, he had a he had a guy come up um, beaten from Violet Town. It come come from playing Division Five, and he plays his first game for Yarrow in Division One. It's mm. a big step up. Yeah, and look, um, on Sut- the carpet at East as well. Yeah, look, um, I, I noticed with Suddy's um stats. Um, he's lost all three games, but he's only minus twelve, so he's losing by an average of four. And as yeah, Tyler said, he's yeah. led at half time each on each occasion, and and he had Paul Nichols by fifteen or sixteen, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, when I had a look at when we were having our break first, when we were having our break first, um, he was he was ten or eleven shots um, up. Yes, yeah. So I don't know whether that's maybe a bit of inexperience in the rink around him or whether he's sort of um, feeling the pressure a little bit to try and convert all the time. But um, certainly he's due. And I think, um, you know, big game big game for Tally, I reckon. Huge game. They haven't won a game away, I don't think. They've only beaten Park at home, which is a bit of a soft kill. Um, and, you know, Gunning's rink struggling. I think he's one and two for the year. And, you know, he's as good as we have in the competition. So, um, and I, I think, I'm pretty sure Tally's gone in unchanged. So they're backing the ones that they've got got with them. Uh, it did look like it when I looked. But um, yeah. I, I spoke to um, Sutcliffe today and uh, what I love about him when I talk to him is he's a very straight talker. He's, he, he certainly doesn't beat around the bush. And he said, look, obviously everyone expects us to finish eighth this year and it's it's going to be a bit of a struggle. But uh, what he did say is that they're, they're not going to... Uh, Go down without a fight, um, and he said, "Yeah, he's he's been up at half time of all three games, uh, and really, you know, like you said, Ash probably f- feels that pressure of mm. of needing to to get some points for the side. So, I think he'll come out firing this week, and I certainly think they'll get a rink. Uh, and, and like you said with Talia, I think they're." Probably a little bit of pressure on them to make sure they get the job done if they if they get on. Um, yeah. In terms of, I think I touched on it last week that you know. No matter what the names on the the team sheet say, we can we can only assess a, a promoted side on on what they've done in Division One. So yeah, um, I, I think it'll be a sixteen two tally win. Well, looking ahead to the following week, fingers crossed, we get on this week. If Tally can beat Yaroa and East Shepparton can beat Shep Park, all of a sudden you go into their round five clash, and there's two sides at two and two, which will be 
really crucial in terms of shaping where they go to into the Christmas break. So there's a potential there for Tally. They really need this one to sort of really launch into the East the week after. Yeah, they certainly do, Ash. There's no doubt about that. And the final game, Tat Hilltop uh, going to Stanhope. I reckon this is a match of the day, personally. That should be a perler. Yeah. should be a perler. Look, um, I think Stanhope, a very big chance. And I'm, oh, I've got to lean to Tatura Hilltop. I think when you look at the when you look at the uh, quality of players they've got, Stanhope, they've got no real standout players, have they? No no stars <coughs> apart from Walshie. Yeah, blo- blo- guys that, or, or people, bowlers that just all play their respective play their roles. Role. Yeah, yep. But Brad Robinson's got to be recognised now as a top well, player. And you've got um, Robbie Armstrong... He, he struck Ori last week, but that's a credible performance. He yep. only lost one game. And uh, and Tim Hancock had a good win last week. So I reckon it'll be 14-4, Hilltop by 14 shots. Yeah, well, Tat Hilltop are obviously on the rebound after losing to East last week, so they'll, they'll have a bit to prove, and they'll really want this result to just, just to sort of steady the ship a little bit. Um, you, you know, you mentioned Brad Robinson. He's he's starting to pick up some scalps each week now. Um, as is Gary Russell continues to go from strength to strength. I'm pretty sure him and Cartwright are, are both unbeaten for the year. Denzel, they are, they yeah, certainly yeah. Are. Um, I, I just want to touch on Tat Hilltop. Obviously, the merged two clubs and their depth and and what that's sort of done for those two respective clubs. So, looking at their weekend pennant sides from top to bottom. So, their their sides are second in. Div 1, 3rd, 5th, 2nd, 3rd and 7th. I think they've got two sides in Div 5 and 4th. And you compare that to someone like Golf, well, their sides are obviously at the moment 1st, 1st, 4th, and then their Div 4 is last out of 12, but still pretty good at at the top end. And then someone like Park, um, their sides are sitting 4th in Div 1, 6th, last, 7th of 12, and 5th of 7. And... You know, you just you compare the depth of those clubs. Um, you know, Park wouldn't be used to used to having most of its sides sitting outside the top four, and certainly golf's top end depth is good, but it drops away after Division Two. You just sort of you hope in five or ten years' time they've been able to regenerate their overall playing stocks um, because you know, sort of, uh, you slowly start to lose sides from the bottom up, and then eventually you're struggling for numbers. And I know Park this week. Um, that they, they're, they're a player short in Division 6. Now, I can't remember that ever happening. They've always had 10 to 12 unavailable, but still 5 to 6 left over sort of thing. So it just goes to show Tatton Hilltop, those two clubs merging together, it's just rejuvenated their overall playing stocks. Is Brendan Boyd you still is skipping this week for Tat Hilltop? Have you got their sides yet? I uh, don't have them in front of me. Sorry, no. Brian. So um, he's lost two by convincing margins the last two. Yeah. Like Chris Ferguson, they may make a change. They're not saying they will. But yeah, well, I mean, it would be hard to sort of take someone, you know, you could probably go with John Atwood, but, you know, then you take him away from third. to. But, I mean, Brendan would be just as good a third for yeah. for Denzel sort of thing. Or do you, I, think, does, yeah, does I the, think you give them both another game like golf's done as well. Yep. It's early season. There wasn't yep. a lot of pre-season. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, like obviously Brendan's a really talented bowler and um, obviously coming up from Division 2, there is a bit of an adjustment period. But no doubt he would have played against a lot of the Division 1 bowls and he'll get better as the season goes on. And it's obviously the merged, like he might not have played with some of the Hilltop people as well. So it's all getting used to each other at this stage 
stage of the year, and no doubt he's pretty he's a pretty positive sort of bowler, likes to play through the head, and he'll keep backing his skills in to hopefully get the job done and get a bit of confidence this week. Yeah, um, you got any tips for the? We got the men's pairs on at Kai Abram on Sunday. Yeah, certainly. Can we? Uh, can I tip? Uh, can I tip? That I'm game first, sorry. please, yes. Brian. Uh, I'll, I'll tip to Drew Hilltop. But um, looking sorry. at the ladder, it, I really hope we get on this week because you could comfortably see East, Tally, and Stanhope winning, which would put six sides on two wins uh, in the in the top division, yep. which is ridiculously even and mm. is great to see. Uh, now, yes, the men's pairs, Brian, on uh, on Sunday. What uh, what are we looking at? Well, who are some of the featured games? Well, it's being played at multiple venues, which is obviously good to see uh, in terms of the, the entrance. Okay. Um, I'm just bringing well, up I'm, the I'm field. not on the match committee this year, so... Um. The, uh, the women's singles uh, was being played today, and an interesting comment um, from Dane Gate, I think it was, about why it's being played midweek. Um, I, I have done a bit with the Shepparton Golf Club uh, in terms of their golfing, and their women's golf have moved to to multi-day um, championships to allow women who are working or, or uh, still at school to to play the championships on a weekend. Uh, it, it's quite uh, interesting or uh, quite an interesting conversation, I think, to, to talk about whether the women's singles, especially the women's singles, um, being sort of the premier state event, could be played on a Sunday. But uh, I, I wonder if there's, uh, there's any scope for or, or any... Um, want for that to happen? Well, I guess if you look at sort of the demographic, the only really school-aged person that would be playing in it at the moment um, would be Olivia Cartwright, and then there may be a few that are still working. So I guess that's probably the the main rationale behind it. Certainly. Um, Whereas you look at sort of the men's, you know, I'm looking at the the men's state pairs draw now, so there's sectional games at Stanhope and Kyabram. Um, you look at the likes of Paul Warren and Josh Warren are playing together. They still work. Paul Nichols and Dan Nichols, you know, they're workers. Paul McInnes. So it's probably, um, yeah, there's more workers and, and, and that sort of thing there. And that's why the men's events are probably played on the Sundays. So that's that, that's the only reason I can think of. But um, it's something to consider, I guess. Um, it'd be interesting to compare whether it would increase entries if it was played on a weekend, the, the women's state events. Yeah, I, I'd certainly uh, not um, telling them to, to move it to a Sunday if uh, that's not what the, what is needed. I, I think it's just certainly a conversation. I thought it was a good conversation started to yeah. to ask the question, wondering whether it has been asked of of the general uh, ladies bowling population whether they would prefer it on a Sunday. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's certainly something to talk about going forward. Uh, men's state pairs draw. I'll go through the nine sections and maybe we can get us who you think will win the section. Section one, Rob Crotty and Bruce Anselmi, Vince Lear and Joe Lear, Paul Nichols and Dan Nichols, Paul Warren and Josh Warren. Brian? I'll go for the Nichols boys, runners up in the state. Yeah, Nichols for me. A couple of years ago. Yeah, I'll go. I'll make it a trifecta, the Nichols boys. Um, section two, Graham Myers and Graham Waddell, Paul McInnes and Rob George, Barry Fletcher and Shane Walsh, David Townsend and Tim Hancock. What's a, uh, I'll go that's for a strong My- section. I'll go for Myers and Waddell. Yeah, I'll go with George and McInnes, but I think that all, any of those four could win that. That's yeah, it's a pretty pretty tight section. Very tight, yeah. yeah, I'll go McInnes and George as well. Section three, Trevor Dunlop and Les Norton, Shane Carter and Terry Lee White, Nick and Brendan Boyd, Rod Medill, Ray Salwood. The Boyds. Boyds for me. Medill and Salwood for me, a bit of an upset. Um, section four, Chris Ferguson, David Dawes, John O'Thorne, Hayden Crilly, 
Justin Spedding, Jeff McNaughton, Brent Reiner, Jeff Beatty. I'll go for Reiner and Beatty. Yeah, another one, another tough one to pick there. Uh, I'll go Ferguson and Dawes. Yeah, I think it'll come down to those two. Um, I'll go Reiner and Beatty. Section five: Bruce Morris and Alan Beggs, Trevor Downey and Greg Toy, Wayne Grubel and John Grubel, John Hallam and John Stokes. I'll go Hallam and Stokes. Stokesy to continue his uh, good form for mine. The Gribbles play really good pairs bowls together. I'll go for them to up uh, to beat their club mates. Section six: uh, Bob Bordet and Terry Gale, Greg Fitzpatrick and Ben Fletcher, Mac Truen and Brad Orr, Shane McIntosh and Kevin Cox. Mac Truen and Brad Orr. Agree. Yeah, yeah Orr for me. Uh, good to see Benny Fletcher in uh, playing at Stanhope too, so we'll know the Greens very well. Yep. Section 7, Brett Gunning and Matt Robertson, Jeff Anselmi and Darren Kelly, Josh Locke and Russell Locke, John Vale and Greg Chandler. Uh, the first name pair... Gunning and Robinson. Gunning and Robinson. Well, this one's at Kyabram. I'll tip um, what might be a bit of an upset in the locks. Yeah, good to see father and son playing together. It is. Um, section 8, Rob Thorne and Paul Beecroft, Stephen Hawkless and Jock Hasty, Chris Garvey and Ken Hopner. Number one, again. Thorne and Beecroft. Yeah, I'll go Thorne and Beecroft. Well, Ken Hopner won the over 60 singles, didn't yeah, he? So yeah. he's obviously in good form. I might go a bit of an upset there, the rushy pair. I'll uh, I'll pick uh, the third pair there and we'll we'll find a winner between us. Yeah. <laughs> um, section 9, Josh Cartwright and David Cartwright, Keith Knight and Rob Mackay, Lee Wakenshaw and Graham McEwen. It's a Cartwrights for me. Cartwrights for me. I'd say so on, uh, on Kai Abrams Green, which they're quite familiar with. All right. Well, I reckon that pretty much covers it all. Fingers crossed the Bureau of Meteorology um, does the right thing by us and we can have a game of bowls this weekend. Uh, if not, we'll still be back next week, won't we, Brian, to talk about uh, the weekend. Yes, ahead. and we'll have the bowls shop proprietors on next week. We may even do the show from there. It's up to Tyler whether he can organise things. <laughs> we'll see how we go there, Brian. Give uh, a few plugs in the shop and I ha- talk about a few of their... Specials that they've got on offer. Oh, we can uh, we see what we can do. Uh, we didn't touch on Murray and, and Central today, uh, and we won't because we've hit it an hour ten uh, somehow. So uh, I'll, I'll certainly touch on them next week uh, yep. to all our listeners from from those areas. Obviously, we are the Central Goulburn Murray Bowls region, and we are coming a bit closer together next season. Um, but uh, we're still quite focused on the GV on this show. But speaking of the GV, uh, my top five skips. Uh, I, I've sort of let you boys uh, go out to the wolves in the first two weeks, and I've certainly seen a bit more exposed form. Uh, the top three, who are all undefeated, Cartwright, Orr, and Gary Russell, uh, I'm quite comfortable to have those three in my five. Uh, the next one, Rob George, I think uh, he's mm-hmm. in good form and will continue to be in good form, and after his last couple of weeks, Brent Rayner will uh, slide in as well, even though he had a, a loss in the first week. Pretty handy top five. Yeah, very good. Be interesting to see who finishes up in front. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us, listeners. Thanks very much for joining us, Ash and Brian. And uh, we'll speak to you all again next week. That was After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production.